Good morning, church. My name is Jamie, and you're at church. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> let's pray. Let's make sure. <laughs> Lord, uh, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace. And we ask that you help us to hear your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. And it is a little strange for me to be up here today. Uh, it should be Jim. I am your substitute preacher <laughs> today. So here's your busy work. <laughs> While I call roll, <clears throat> joking. Um, so today's Old Testament reading uh, comes from Ecclesiastes. Aren't you excited? <laughs> uh, normally I would avoid it, you know, um, not because I don't enjoy the book. I don't enjoy the book, but I do like the book. Um, but it is intimidating. This is kind of an intimidating um, book. It's spiky. This is a spiky book. Um, and it's beautiful, okay? Uh, it has some really lovely poems in it and some proverbs. And then the rest is spiky. It is. And um, that's not an insult, okay? Um, because at the end of chapter 12, the author writes uh, that the words of the wise are like spikes. So he knows. He knows what he's doing. Uh, but the lectionary has kind of piecemealed the verses today, right, where they've taken some verses from chapter 1 and they've taken some verses from chapter 2 and kind of smashed them together. And, um, you know, I, I don't like it when they do that, but I know why they did it, okay? Um, because this way it fits with what the gospel reading for today is. Um, but it's still kind of a bummer because they cut out this really beautiful poem, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get it in there. Um, but let's see how it goes, okay? So we have chapter 1, verse 2. Sure, start on the second verse. Uh, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. It's a strong start. <laughs> okay, that's the theme to every grunge song I ever put on a mixtape or burned onto a CD. It's literally my Spotify playlist right now, so... <laughs> Um, and then, okay, we skip ahead to verse 12. I, the teacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Okay, so let's talk about this for just a minute and sort something out. Um, so first of all, something that has helped me with this whole book is that our English translation is a bit different than the Hebrew. Um, where our version says meaningless, or maybe the one you're reading says vanity, um, the Hebrew word used is hevel, and it means vapor or breath or mist. Um, it's also the name for Abel, <laughs> and we have an Abel in here today. <laughs> um, so obviously, um, that's not the same thing as meaningless, okay? Um, saying that everything is vapor is not saying that everything is empty or empty of meaning, okay? The teacher isn't judging humanity or the human condition as, as pointless 
or having no meaning, but he's, he's pointing out its ephemeral quality. And Liz gave me that word, ephemeral. I don't know what it means, but no. <laughs> uh, it means temporary or fleeting. And so vapor or mist, it's not lasting, you know, it's fragile, and you can just wipe it away. So in this book, the author explores the fragility and temporary quality of our lives. And that exposes the absurdity of certain behaviors and values that we might have. So does that, does that help anyone else? Going from meaningless to vapor, it really, it really did help me. Um, because, you know, I always thought, well, you know, if it's all so meaningless, then why did you bother to write this all down? You know, like, now you're just wasting my time, too. Um, so it really helped me to find out that, uh, that what the teacher was saying was really far more nuanced than, um, than that. And it's way less Gen X than I, I thought. <laughs> so meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Or vapor, a breath, says the teacher. Utterly fragile. Everything is temporary. Right? The first one sounds pretty hopeless, and the second one sounds like a reality check. Okay, so the rest of today's reading, I told you, they kind of quilted this thing. It comes from chapter 2, verse 18. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This, too, is vapor, a breath, temporary. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This, too, is vapor and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This, too, is vapor. And that's where the reading ends. Good stuff. And I'll admit, you know, when I first read this, I thought, oh, is there anything more annoying than a whining rich person? <laughs> like, dude, maybe cut back on the toil, spend more time with your kids so they won't be fools, and you won't regret leaving your wealth to them. I fixed your book. Uh, but the teacher exposes the absurdity of spending your whole life toiling for wealth and then valuing your wealth more than your successors, which is usually your kids. And in the first part, in verse 18, he claims he hated all the things he toiled for because he has to leave them to the next guy. And we don't know if that next guy is going to be wise or foolish. And he hates all the things, right? Someone else is going to get all the things. And what if there's some kind of idiot... They don't deserve the fruit of my toil. Now, do you think he'd be okay with it if he knew, if he was guaranteed that he was leaving all the things 
to a wise person? No, no. Because in the next part, in verses 20 and 21, his heart despairs because he worked so hard and he had wisdom and knowledge and skill that he used to work for what he got. And now someone who did not work for it is going to get all the things. It's vapor. And it would be really easy to read this and think, wow, this guy's got a problem with other people. And that may be true. Um, because wise and foolish or lazy, like it's all the same to him. They're all undeserving of his stuff. But is that really what his lament is about? I don't think so. I don't think this is really about other people. I think he's lamenting his own absurd relationship with his work and his stuff. Because what is vapor in these passages, the thing that he calls a great misfortune is his hatred for all the things that he's worked for and his despair that's in his heart for his work. Those things, that's vapor. His temporary breath toiled for temporary fruit and he laments that he won't be able to control it when he's gone. His lament reveals the absurdity of greed, of accumulating wealth, because it is a loveless endeavor. Did you see any love in those verses? I didn't. Verse 22, what do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? Yikes. All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds don't rest. And it's all temporary. Material rewards pass away. Good effort is forgotten. And the culture of accumulating wealth, it is absurd. Greed is painful and loveless. Amen. <laughs> I mean, we could end it there. <laughs> well, let's read the gospel, okay? We're going to go and um, see what Jesus is up to in Luke 12. Um, in the reading today, um, there's this crowd of many thousands that have gathered around him. He's teaching his disciples, but there's this crowd of all of these people, right? And in verse 13, it says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Oh, what? A pesky inheritance, right? The teacher was right. There is nothing new under the sun. And Jesus replied, Is there anything more annoying than a whining rich person? <laughs> Joking. <laughs> That's, that's not what he said. <laughs> I mean, but what? It, no, that's not what he said. <clears throat> In verse 14, Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, all of them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Amen. Yeah. Does anyone else feel like Jesus maybe is familiar with chapter 1 and 2 of Ecclesiastes? 
Because what a perfect summary of what we've just read, right? Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. I definitely think the teacher has read the teacher. Okay, quick sidebar. Okay, did you notice how this guy talks to Jesus? He's just like, hey, yo, tell my brother to give me what I want. Are you going to interrupt him with that? And what was Jesus' response? Like, do I look like your lawyer? Like, this is not my business. And I wonder, you know, how many times have I prayed a prayer like that? Like, (laughs) this week, you know? Lord, give it to me for me. And he's like, that's a you problem. (laughs) Yeah. And it really, it really, this part really made me question, like, if I've been doing this lately. Because you know, when you're younger and, you know, immature, you pray this kind of thing all the time. I did. I confess that. You know, like, Lord, help me pass this geometry test. You know, he's like, that's strange, because you've had access to a book all about geometry and a teacher dedicated to geometry. But now, 30 seconds before the test, this is when you're asking for help? No. Do I look like your math teacher? Ooh. But I wonder, you know, like, I don't think I've prayed that. I know I haven't prayed for geometry lately. But I wonder, as I mature and gain wisdom, like, what do my immature prayers look like now? Like, am I self-aware enough to recognize one? I hope so. And I'm cringing just thinking about how I haven't thought about it lately. (laughs) Anyway, end of sidebar. Let's get back to the sermon already in progress. So Jesus has just summed up Ecclesiastes for us, right? And then he goes straight into parable mode. Verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store up my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Hmm. Okay, so Jesus has for sure read Ecclesiastes. (laughs) Right? In the parable, God even taunts the rich man with the question, like, ah, you're dead, now who's going to get your stuff? I sure hope it's not the laziest, wise fool in your family. The parable exposes that absurd concern the same way the teachers in Ecclesiastes did. And then Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Our readings today uncover how greed really messes with our hearts. And it makes us into loveless people with a loveless perspective on life. And greed distorts what we value, right? We value ourselves and our work and our stuff over other people and relationships and even over God. 
We think our work and our wealth is so important and valuable. But if we make it the most valuable thing in our lives, and then it's like the teacher tells us, we're just chasing after the wind, and our hearts are full of hatred and despair. So how can we stop that from happening? Um, by listening and obeying Jesus when he tells us to be rich toward God. It means being generous with what you have. And all, all of the good stuff in our life, it comes from God. And if there's an abundance of it, guess what? That's from God, too. Yeah. Like, don't think that it's from our hard work. Because that was the rich fool's problem in the parable. He claimed his abundance for himself as if he owned it, as if he worked for it. But the ground yielded the harvest, not him. It wasn't his wisdom and skills, it was the ground. So don't take credit for God's work. Don't equate our work with God's work. Because there's a huge difference in what our human hands and human hearts make and what God's divine hands and heart made. When I said earlier that the lectionary uh, left out this beautiful poem, um, I thought I would I'd, I'd do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway um, because it really shows the ephemeral quality of our work and the lasting quality of God's work. Okay, so it starts at uh, chapter 1, verse 3. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new? It was here already, long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. What a poem. Our work, our fruit, it fades away. Yeah, this poem is a reality check for our humanity, and it is a burst of hope that we get to trust in a God who is eternal. He doesn't fade away. The things he made, they don't fade away. The earth remains. The sun and the wind and the streams, they don't stop. It's so rad. We have a generous God who blesses us. Um, 
He blesses us while we are on this earth, okay? And it is a slap in his face when we let greed run our hearts. Amen. Imagine ending the sermon that way. But I did. Let's pray. Holy, almighty, unshakable one, thank you for this reality check. And thank you for wisdom that exposes our sin. And please forgive us our greed. Will you send your Holy Spirit to help us let go of the hatred and despair in our hearts? And may we have soft hearts full of love. And may they burn with generosity toward you and our neighbor. And thank you for the hope that we have in you and in your lasting works. And Jesus, we thank you for the generosity of your sacrifice, pouring all of yourself out for us that we may be judged forgiven. We love you, God, and we trust you, God. And you are the hope that fills our eyes and ears and hearts. Amen.